0: It's Clean Comedy Time! Time! Woo!
1: Welcome to the Clean Comedy Time podcast. I'm Aaron Sorrels. And I'm Brian Atkinson. Today our guest is Nishi Excel. Nishi is your clean dark comedian, immigrant mom with an MBA. She's the winner of the Spirit of Comedy Medal just this summer. I'm going to talk to her about the good the bad and the funny
2: I am Nishi my brother's name is Farooq my mom's name is Khurshid Akhtar it gives you a sore throat and my dad's name is It's just white noise it's just white noise my husband though he has the weirdest name his name is Austin
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nishi, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, Nishi, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here.
2: Thanks so much for having me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, Nishi, uh, I, I'm sure that we're going to get into some things about um, where your family is from, and you're from Los Angeles, but I have to ask, where's Austin from?
2: Oh, my goodness. it's I had to figure out where he was from, too. Yeah, Because, first of all, like, he's a Southerner, but he sounds like an L.A. guy. So it's very confusing. (laughs) Yeah, he's from the South. He's from South Carolina, but he totally talks like a surfer dude. Um, (laughs) And we're both Southerners. Like, I'm South Asian, and he's Southern American. So it's like, wow, obviously fate brought us together.
1: Clearly. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So, Nishi, um, you're... uh, you we are you're described as um a clean dark comedian immigrant mom uh are you an immigrant or is your family immigrants or how did that play out
2: oh i'm totally an immigrant i'm a fob
1: a fob uh, i don't know what that uh means
2: it's uh well it used to be a term for people who came off the boat it was fresh off the boat oh. but i'm fresh off boeing so we took a plane here <laughs> I was born in Pakistan in this disputed area. It was in between Pakistan and India. My dad mm-hmm. likes to say it's Pakistan because he's Pakistani born. My mom likes to say it's India because she's Indian born. Uh-huh.
0: So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is that why you guys are always fighting? Because nobody nice. really knows like do, who owns me. I don't even know. So yeah, uh-huh. I came here when I was a little girl at, I think I was seven years old and I didn't know a word of English
1: but you seem to have learned some of it by now. I mean, so far anyway, we haven't run into anything.
2: Oh yeah. They just sat me in front of the TV and I just watched the Simpsons. <laughs> on nice. stop
1: Perfect. I know. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Nishu, so I gotta, I gotta check my, uh, both geography and history lessons here. Uh, so with the area where you were born, I'm going to say Kashmir.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, cashmere. Am I close?
1: I mean, all right, cool. Got it in the area anyway. Excellent. Um, so,
2: if you really want
1: to say it uh yeah but i'm in a i'm just the <laughs> most ignorant american in the world um so yeah not to be confused
2: with the sweaters
1: exactly which are cardigans named for lord cardigan uh that was uh he was one of the um the officers that was running the show during the uh war in crimea not Kashmir. so
3: Oh, okay, wow. hold hold on. I'm writing this down and so yeah, I, can I was storing information that I'll never use again. <laughs> yeah, good, perfect, perfect. Uh, so
1: uh, let's get straight to some comedy here now, um, Nishi. Uh, good typical questions that we're asking people. Um, how did you get started doing comedy?
0: Oh
2: man, it was long before I was born. Into a (laughs) ground, I feel like it was premeditated by God. Sure, we're gonna put this family so she has tons of material, and I didn't know it, but I was being prepared for it. Like every year, it was like I got to do some smart thing, some school educational thing. Like, I was nervous when you guys were asking me about the geography because I actually skipped geography in school, (laughs) so I I know nothing, and when I realized. I have no skill sets.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> what I, did you have?
2: Open mic, and I I joined improv actually before I did stand up.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, and from improv, I was at Second City, where I was on their house team. I was writing sketches for them, and we were performing every month. And then I was like, I just I don't want to be on the stage with people. I want to do this alone. Like, I can't, I just want to be away <laughs> from everyone. Like, some everybody just leave <laughs> me alone. Can I do my own thing? And then I found out stand-up existed. And yeah. so then I just started doing mics after that.
1: Nice. Uh, we have talked to a few people who have an improv background. And uh, just in my conversations as well, um, there seems to be this idea of, like, I got tired of waiting for people to make a decision about when we were going to practice. So I just went on my own. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Something similar like that.
2: Well, I got tired of getting the same suggestion of Beatles (laughs) (laughs) week after week and Bowling Alley. And I was like, does everything have to be about cooking or Bowling Alley? And I I just, I'm like, I can't, I have stuff I want to write about and it's not... Personal enough, just shooting out random things, and then the audience tries to be funny. And you're like, Name a place that fits on the stage, and they're like, Detroit. It's
0: like, Okay,
2: <laughs> you're funny too. So I
0: just, uh. I just
2: couldn't take that like surface level. I wanted to dig deeper. And I feel like with stand up, you can go so deep into your own story and the pain and all the everything behind it, the happiness, everything, and just turn it into an art. And I, I love that about stand up.
1: Mm, I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> then uh, that just leads to, um, so how long ago, I mean, you said, you know, from before you were born, but <laughs> when when was that first open mic?
2: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I want to say it was after a very traumatic experience I had um, oh. of almost dying. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of anything anymore and I was pretty much silenced for a lot of my life because I grew up in a very strict Islamic family where women didn't really necessarily have the right to say anything. And I was the youngest child. So I, it was like a tri- I was a triple minority in my own family, you know?
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm like, I just want, can I just give a suggestion? No, 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 no. You are small and you are a child and you are a woman <laughs> and you know, nothing. So I was like, no, I got to, Get out of this environment. So I I went to an equally oppressive environment with like a bunch of just just like you know dudes talking about stuff that they shouldn't be talking about there up there. And I'm like you know I it's, that's an it's open mic part of life. Yeah, you know uh,
1: so. it does make me think that your family should have uh, gone taking improv classes because you always respond with yes. Uh, in- <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a good idea because there was their response was not yes and it was. No, but, no, no, <laughs> just no. <laughs> so like six years ago, to answer your
1: question. Oh, oh sure. Okay, so about six years ago. And yeah. um, now, just because um, Aaron and I are here in the Midwest, when we hear Second City, we probably uh, kind of jump straight to Chicago, maybe people jump into Toronto stuff. But the Second City is a, a for lack of a better term, franchise that's in a variety of places all over uh including los angeles i'm assuming is where, where mm-hmm. you are yeah
2: yeah and well now they're shut down so womp womp but Aww. the rest of them still exist I, I, they lost a lot of money during the uh, pandemic and so it was very sad it was it was a nice home for me but i also had another theater that was i was more involved in which was ucb Upright Citizens citizen brigade and that's mm-hmm. uh i believe that's amy poehler's and that one also shut down recently, but um, they're also all over the place and they do a lot of different things. From stand up is not really the focus of those areas. It's more writing and sketch and then getting onto sitcoms and things like that. But in order to get there, I believe stand up helps you develop your voice if you ever want to have a sitcom. So, sure.
1: Hmm. Yeah. That uh, unique perspective or uh, what's your for lack of a better term that an angle, uh, mm-hmm. toward issues or, or topics or family or whatever the case is. Um, right. now you've got, um, uh, your husband, Austin, your, uh, your, uh, daughter. Yep. And, um, and, uh, how old is your daughter now? Cause I, when we met this summer, I know that, uh, she was itty bitty.
2: Oh yeah, she. Uh,
1: she's driving see. now, or you know, I I don't
2: <laughs> I don't have kids,
1: so I don't know how this works.
2: <laughs> well, she's uh, she's about iPhone 11 age.
1: Oh, you know, so she came okay. out the
2: same time iPhone 11 did, so she's like I think she's like eight months now.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. that's still pretty small. They they make them small from what I understand.
2: <laughs> There's she's small, but her cheeks are massive. Wow, <laughs> they are. It took her so long to get neck control because. She couldn't lift her own head up because of the sheer weight of those things.
1: Mm-hmm. And so. um, and your husband Austin, he's he's very helpful, right?
2: He was trying to finish the Bible. He's like, babe, oh my god, I'm still unemployed after I read the book of Job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a nice guy. He helps out. He helps out. Like, when there's a dirty pile of clothes and I want him to do the laundry, I just throw the remote in there.
1: <laughs>
2: it gets done. <laughs>
1: uh, yep, that's how I get my wife to do... Uh, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I just do the laundry. I just take care of it. Nah, no, nobody has to hide the remote on me. Uh, I think that uh, pause after the remote was delicious. Um uh, anybody who's listened to the show a few times knows that I have a, a great fondness for nothingness, uh, which is what my act is basically, I guess. <laughs> See, there's one of those pauses <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I just, I, I really loved that moment where, you know, the audience is going to take just a second to figure out what's going on. Maybe not as long as Austin would take, but, um, <laughs> but just, you know, having that moment of let them get there, they'll get there. I promise. And they do. And they had a nice big laugh. Um, so uh, when it comes to that silence in there was how intentional was that? Is that something you discovered or something that you wrote into the uh, joke?
2: Oh, I, I feel like sometimes silence is more important than the words themselves because it's, Like, it's not only a moment for um, the audience to take in what you're saying, but the more you stop and you come to a full stop, people, it draws them in and they're waiting for the next thing. And what is she going to say? What's going to happen next? It's just, it's kind of like a pull. So I I love the pauses, but but I think this clip was from like a three minute thing or something like that. So sometimes we want to rush. But I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, I'm going to take my full pause. And so I build every pause into every single thing that I say on stage.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, when you write, do, do you write out a uh, long form or you just take notes or how how is your process of getting things down so you don't forget things or do you just never forget anything?
2: Oh my gosh, I forget everything. I have mom brain. I don't even remember my own name sometimes. I just, I'm like, who am I? What am I? I don't know what I am. So I, I have my handy dandy watch, which is ready to record every thought I have. So there's probably a thousand voice memos on there. (laughs) I will be driving and I'll have like some random thought come in and I'm like, oh, there's the punchline. And then I'll just start ranting and recording. And at the end of the day, I listen to everything that I've compiled and I throw away the stuff I don't like and the stuff that has potential. And then I work that out at the mic. So I'm one of those people that... I'm not like Seinfeld where he wrote like three hours a day and mm. I have to go out there and experience things. And I'm an external processor. So I, I talk stuff out and then that gives me the fodder and that gives me the ultimate joke that I've been looking for.
1: Nice. Uh, my wife and I are, are rather opposite in that I'm also an external processor and uh, she's not, um, <laughs> but she is an external singer. Or hummer, really. Uh, <laughs> she will she will hum little bits and tunes, and then it's like a game we play, where I try to name that tune in two notes, and uh, try to figure out what she's doing, and she just smiles and nods when I'm processing out loud.
2: <laughs> Are you saying she tunes you out by singing?
1: <laughs> no, no. Oh, maybe wait. It's a defense but, mechanism. <laughs> now I got to find out to see if that's what she's doing. Uh, <laughs> is is uh is austin uh similar or very different from you in that respect?
2: oh my goodness, it drives me crazy. He is so quiet
0: sometimes <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what yeah.
2: is going on in your brain? Are you thinking about Tom Brady again are you thinking <laughs> about me like, I genuinely need to know if you, like sometimes well, it's one of the I two drag it out
1: yeah, just one <laughs> of the two there it's yeah
2: yeah well <laughs> oh, it's,
1: it's like his mind doesn't wander far it you know
0: no.
2: So you don't have
1: to, Hey, Hey, just checking, which is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And my wife jokes that, uh, she never has to wonder what I'm thinking. Uh, if my (laughs) mouth's not moving, I'm not thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so that's, uh, Austin, um, your husband, uh, what about uh, growing up? Um, I have, uh, I know that with uh, my family, there's, uh, there's a a real weird dynamic there between who talks and who doesn't talk and and maybe why. Um, but what about, uh, your family growing up?
2: Oh my goodness. Talking, oh was just charming people. That's how it was. Mm. It was, everybody wanted something. Everybody wanted compliments somebody's mm. becoming a doctor, somebody got their lawyer. I'm like, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. blah. <laughs> okay, I get it. You guys are important, mm. but it was always like a show of like, look, I just use a giant English word that none of you guys know.
0: Just <laughs>
2: showing off all the time. So it, it was kind of a chore just to like, listen to everyone talk about what they're up to. Cause they, you know, we're from like a poverty background. So when you have that, the minute that you come out of that, it just, it's still a piece of you. So you're just petty about everything, even if it's words, you know?
1: (laughs) Nice. I want to shift gears into some things that you've been doing lately because uh, you just had a a big show and you had a recording and a little thing got picked up uh, by the LA times. Uh, So Rather than try to guide you through this too much, um, and I'm sure you can talk about it, uh, please uh, tell us all what have you been doing lately?
2: Oh, my husband's been asking me that. He's going to be listening to this because I'm supposed
1: to be <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, I'm, no, he's not going to listen to this. No. He's, he's...
2: <laughs> well, in that case, a whole lot of nothing. But no, I'm. <laughs> I actually worked on a lot of this stuff this year. Like it was the pandemic was really tough. And I figured, you know, it would be a good time for me to build up my material. And nobody wanted to do Zoom mics. I was up for it. So I produced my own show right before we into we went into lockdown and it was called um it was called Brown Rice. It was a bunch of Asians and brown people doing stand-up together. And so I submitted that to um, an executive who has a TV network, and uh, they wanted me to film a series uh, showcasing comedians from all around the world. So, after I think a year and a half later, I filmed um, in July actually um, the first of many episodes. Uh, showcasing comedians from all around the world. And I wrote it, produced it, got all the comedians, did all the casting. So that was a really big project that I had going for a while. And then I got chosen for this Invasion 2.0, which is the first season was on Hulu. And we just uh, filmed two weeks ago, just a bunch of different Asian comedians from um, L.A., with a different story to tell. And the whole message of that thing was to basically stop Asian hate and Mm -hmm. the directors and the producers are just, it was just so, so much love in that room. Like those people are so great. They're always trying to uplift, you know, the underprivileged and the voices that aren't often gone unseen in the um, comedy and entertainment world. And they've been in the industry for 25 plus years. So they've seen all kinds of racism and things like that. Um, So I was so honored and, I just felt so awesome because I had just finished um, writing my 45 minutes of material that took me several years to get together and refine and perfect. And it couldn't have come at a better timing because they called me and they were like, Hey, we want you to do your 30 minutes special for Hulu. And I was like, I am so down. Like as of yesterday, Mm -hmm. I'm ready.
3: (laughs) (laughs) the timing was perfect that's tremendous mm-hmm. boy that's that's so good to hear that uh that experience from you though because you know there's a stereotypical LA you know vibe and mentality and and what you just described there is completely opposite of you know of the stereotype you know it it's you know supportive of each other and helping each other out that's that's cool thanks for sharing that
2: oh did i leave out the part where uh my head is popped up with pride
1: Okay, so- <laughs> no, we got that <laughs> yeah, totally uh, uh honestly, uh, having met you this summer, um, I have this ridiculous pride for you as well, Just cause, like I've met her, <laughs> I've been in an elevator with her, and I've been on the same stage, and she's <laughs> awesome um, so its yeah, my voice always does that whenever I feel pride, so. Thank God it doesn't happen too often. That is
2: kind. Thank you so much for the kind words. I have I have thirty five years of my parents not giving me compliments to them. So everyone can, you know, I love that. I just, you know, and I honestly, I just feel like so grateful and so blessed and so humbled. And I'm I'm trying my best to cast as many people that I've that I've met in my journey so far that I've seen, you know, were probably overlooked. Um, for the upcoming episodes that I have at the end of this month. So I'll be, um, I went and I searched all around the world. Like I know I said, I failed geography and everything, but Mm. now I I went through everything and I was like, well, this person's from, from, you know, whatever part of the world, like Laos and like all these countries that you've never heard of. So it's going to be a great project because these people so deserve the, the stage time and just to be known. So I'm just like so humbled that I get to do that.
1: Oh, that's exciting. When we do our shows, and honestly, um, as Aaron and I have been working through our podcast over the last uh, year and three quarters, somewhere in there, um, we've said this a few times that we have people on our shows who are very intentional about making sure that, because Aaron and I are just a couple old white guys, um, so we just try to make sure that, first of all, we always have a person of color on the show. And we always have a woman on the show so that um, there isn't this absence that so we have representation. Um, and um, Amazing. Yeah.
3: Um, uh, you know, and, and that's that started as us just kind of wanting to have a diverse lineup in that. Yeah. Um, but then as as we got into it, the shows are so much better. So you know, much it's, better. It's, mm-hmm. It brings a dynamic of uh, commonality and yet learning new things about each other that's that's just really cool I, I would never go back to a non-diverse lineup you know yeah,
1: yeah for sure
2: oh yeah you'd get that wouldn't be good that would be yeah. like way, I mean go wrong that, direction that yeah, mean? yeah yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean we're in West Michigan it's um it's not that diverse naturally um but it is um you just have to keep your eyes open and and then it's You know, it's not that tough to to find people with a variety of different backgrounds,
3: Um, Uh, especially in the in the comedy world. You know, we we have just an incredibly diverse uh, group of friends that are comedians, which is which is great. And not just diversity as far as race goes, but uh, or gender. um, But I mean, economic backgrounds, outlooks, religious views, uh, you know, a lot of different uh, people and outlooks that just add so much to. You know the overall life experience. I think,
1: yeah. uh-huh. uh, yeah. although I think generally everybody would agree that uh, post-its are wonderful.
3: Uh, <laughs> that's that's the one. Uh, that's yeah. the one outlook that it, there is no room for diversity.
1: If, Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> just post-its are wonderful.
3: There's um, no no room for a opinion different than post-it yeah. notes are that's, awesome <laughs> as far as I'm concerned true. why do they yeah. have
2: like the insanely bright like I can't even read my writing if I write yeah. on those
3: yeah. like,
2: it should just be yellow it should yeah. just be one yeah.
3: color yeah see now now we're getting into the meat of things we're solving right. problems here that's <laughs> what we're all about here <laughs>
1: uh, so I want to hear more about um the the work that you've done with um this, uh, the Hulu special um so i you said that you had prepped for it and then they kind of called the day after you had everything ready so then what what was the process that followed after that
2: so it, i mean it was kind of a coincidence like i didn't even know this thing was out there like they reached out to me personally and they were just like hey do you have you know 30 35 minutes of material and I'm like, as a matter of fact, I do. And mm-hmm. so when they booked me, I thought, oh, my goodness, I have a month for this. And I and I like to cater every show. I don't like to just like, okay, here's my set and I'm just going to do my set. And, and, and I will do all my jokes and hit all my points. But if it's something centered around culture, it will be a different show. If yeah. it's something centered around, you know, a young group of people and I have to get a message out there, then I'm not going to talk about how, uh, you know, you say potato and I say famine in Pakistan, like that would, they wouldn't get it. They'd be like, no, we're Gen Zers. Like we're all about our, you know, scrolling and all this stuff. So I tried to make sure that I know what the, what their um, overall picture is. So I kind of like looked into the other season of invasion and I saw it was a lot more culture heavy which i had already developed that that was like the first thing that i explored when i became a stand up so i had a ton of stuff on that so then it came time to plan precisely how to um basically like how to map out the show you know cuz it's a whole different dynamic when it's when it's a recording and it's a tv special you know you want to get all your stuff out there that's your best of the best um and for somebody like me who does A lot of like, I'll do a lot of riffing and then I'll write based off of that. I get really excited about new jokes. So I had to really discipline myself and say, okay, this is what we're going to stick to, Nishi. Do not get ADD. Do not try to build another 15 minutes (laughs) of new material because I know it looks attractive, but you got to stick it through. So I would be at the mics every single day, I would do 30 minutes. I would do 20 minutes here. I would do 15 minutes there. Um, I would, like, take my baby on the stage with me if my husband couldn't watch her that day. And I would be performing with just, just, like, sweating the whole time and doing my full acts to act outs. And it was just it was like going to the gym, you know, like just going there and like, okay, I know I have to be in a different weight class than I am in now. So that means my diet has to change. My outlook has to change and I have to go to the next level to a different goal and, you know, beat that guy who does like the crazy aggressive grunts when Mm. he's picking up Mm. and I'm barely over here with five pound weights because I haven't had such a huge opportunity before in my life. So yeah. Uh, so it was just every single day I had to stay centered on that. And, and then, um, and then, you know, connect with everyone around me. Like I want to lift people up too, you know, they're like, Hey, how'd you get that? What's going on with this? And so I found a few people that I was kind of mentoring, like new comedians that I really like women that are, um, you know, trying really hard and, and, um, just have just to stay grounded. So I could be like, okay, like i I know where you're coming from and you know, I want you to do well too. Cause if you do well, we all do well. So it was just like the entire month. It was just mics and mics and mics and mics. And I made sure to stay away from the riffing mics and things like that. Cause Oh my gosh, that stuff was like a shiny little carrot dangling <laughs> in front of me.
0: <laughs> <Ooh>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then you showed up and, and did your set and, they recorded it and and i and i mean you know we make assumptions we're out here in the midwest and you know we see los angeles out there as you know here's this uh city on a hill or in a valley i guess um where uh you know that's that's where so much happens um so what was the the recording day like
2: Oh, the recording day. Let's see. I've walked it out of my memory. (laughs) No, it was good. It was actually really good. It was, um, except for the fact that the AC broke in the entire building and it was a hundred degrees in Los Angeles. And that I decided out of a fashion choice to wear a sweater That I thought would look great, but I did not think of what if the AC breaks, because that just doesn't happen in my first world brain. And I, I realized I should have been more third world about it, but <laughs> I did not plan for that. So I was performing in my sweater and I was like, you know what, everything will be OK. And it was the day was really great because the production team and the um, the director and everyone, they were just so welcoming, so friendly. It was it was like such a warm atmosphere because everyone was so supportive. They were like, you know, you're here and you've been working hard and and all the other comedians have been working hard and they so deserve everything that's happening today. So everybody was just like super chill. And there might have been a couple of freakouts backstage at, you know, mm-hmm. Don't put my water on, but don't put the water on the set list. And is that sushi? Because I'm allergic to shrimp, and if I get allergies to shrimp,
0: <laughs> like
2: it was just a little, you know, it, we're like a, the performance type, so like a little bit crazy sometimes. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really really phenomenal day of just like people supporting each other, and then our our friends showing up and. Um, you know, families that we haven't seen in a while. Like they're like, Oh my gosh. Like you, I told you like five years ago that you should get a nine to five job and I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So as, as we close in on the uh, end of our first half here, I, I got to shift gears a little bit because I know you also appreciate food
2: I'm from L.A., and in L.A. we have burritos everywhere, okay? And this particular burrito, cotton candy burrito, yes. I went there on a craving, and I saw them make it. It was just cotton candy inside ice cream, and then they inject it with shame. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's covered in your tears when you're just eating it. (laughs) But I saw a film crew there, and they were filming this show, and I ended up on this show called No Why, America? Why you do that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a great mental picture of this burrito that you saw. Uh, And my experience, I lived in Los Angeles for about a year, and I learned about the joys of the Tommy Burger. um, Or the sadness that is the Tommy Burger, depending on... (laughs) On, I was in my twenties then, so I could eat anything, and I I can't even imagine. Uh, for those of you who are not uh, familiar with the Tommy Burger, it is a like a double cheeseburger with everything on it, including a ladle of chili. Um, and mm. don't touch it. Don't let it get on your skin. Um, it, and if you go to the and they have numbers, so there's like what the Tommy number one and the Tommy number forty five and so on. They're all over the t- uh, city. Um. And some of them, you know, are sit-down restaurants, and some of them are just like little stand-up countertops outside the building and stuff. Um, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I just got all excited about the time. Uh, so, uh, what other than this uh, cotton candy burrito uh, in ice cream and shame uh, is there another food uh, there in? in the greater Los Angeles area that you have found is irresistible, especially having been pregnant in the last year.
2: Oh my goodness. Food, food is the only (laughs) thing that makes me forget about comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love food so much. I, I'm obsessed with everything spicy and in California, we do have all kinds of burritos, like tacos burritos we we eat tacos like 10 times a day and Mm. and then people judge me they're like why aren't you eating curry you should be eating more curry and i'm like are you kidding me you know who makes the curry at the indian restaurant carlos does so Yeah. It's all the, the the Mexican flavors are in everything. And I, I just oh my gosh. i like the thing that I avoid in LA is um the small plates. Like I don't understand who can get full off of that, maybe models yeah. or something, but I'm probably like three models in one. So
0: mm.
2: I can eat like triple whatever they eat, but um my favorite food here actually look at me, my mouth is like watery. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like the best food that, oh, my, like, my head is spinning now. There's so many things. Like, what if, what if I say the wrong one, and then I yeah. misfeed people, and then they're like, oh. they out. And, but, like, okay, I guess, let me think. What is,
1: oh. You can I mean, name you know, a couple.
2: This is what I'll say. There's right. this place called Grand Central Market in yeah. uh, downtown L.A. and Have you heard of that?
1: Yes, I've heard of.
2: Okay, so they have, like, all the best like best of LA in one area. And let me tell you, if you eat one of those giant Bavarian glazed donuts.
1: Hey. <laughs> oh, with, talk to me goose
2: oh, with the cream feel. Oh my, my, yeah. my husband hates that. I, I get the custard cause I always bite into it and it just goes all no, over the place.
1: It's supposed to be custard. I don't understand the, the white cream. What is the other thing?
2: that no that is a sin to talk about like we don't even we're like no we it's the custard the bavarian (laughs) and then chocolate just like filled with chocolate and oh it's the best thing ever like i found it online i was googling how to get diabetes (laughs) and (laughs) i just ended up there and I, i would say the desserts here like uh, they're often underlooked because you know, the main course is people are more focused on dinner and uh, let's go out to dinner and uh, talk about how fat we are or whatever. Mm, but, mm. but the desserts, oh my goodness, you have to try the And they even have gluten-free versions that taste <laughs> like they're not gluten free. Nice. It's like, yep. It's voodoo donuts in oh, yeah. um, yep. universal city and a bunch of other places, but
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I have friends in Portland and relatives in Portland and, um, I've had voodoo from there. Um, I have found in, um, in West Michigan, uh, specifically Grand Rapids. Um, there are so many fantastic donut shops and for the most part, it's, it's, they're fairly simple. There's a lot of orchards in the area. So it's the cider mill donut kind of thing. That's tremendously good, but they're so good. They've driven Dunkin' Donuts out of the county. The closest Dunkin' Donuts is an hour and a half away, and I think that really says something
2: that they should run for their lives.
1: Because
2: <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts—I don't know yeah. how how much longer they're like the Circuit City of donuts.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. They're going to be extinct in a while because these donuts are crazy, Brian. Sometimes yeah. they have bacon on them and
1: yes woo. maple bacon glaze yeah all of that you
2: know i converted to christianity because of bacon like that was the only reason so <laughs> yeah. bacon donuts and i'm that's it i'm set for life
1: well the time has come on our little podcast to take a break but we'll be right back be sure to give us a review on apple Podcasts, so it's easier for people to find us and like us on all your podcast favorites we'll be right back
3: Thanks to all of you who listen to the Clean Comedy Time podcast, we are flying up the podcast charts. According to Chartable.com, we became the sixth most downloaded stand-up
1: comedy podcast of all time on Apple Podcasts in the United States and have been in the USA
3: Top 10 for a few months. We have also climbed the charts in Canada and New Zealand, and a while back we even charted number one in Fiji. Ooh.
1: So wherever you are, Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining us for Clean Comedy Time.
3: Nishi, that was such a treat to hear you share in the first half a little bit about your comedy journey, and you even got into a little bit of your family history and uh, and some of the cool things that are happening with you right now. So that's, that's super cool. Um, I, I know as... You're already familiar. One of the things that we like to do with this podcast is dig in just even a little bit deeper than we did in the first half and talk about what's going well and what some things that you might be struggling with are. So, what's uh, what's something that you would say is going well for you right now?
2: Oh man, what's going well for me? I I feel like everything is in the right trajectory. Like the planets have lined up after a long time. Like wow, a brown person gets a break. It's just. <laughs> It's actually it's actually very exciting. Like uh, like I was saying earlier, I just feel very blessed to be at this point because not many people have specials out or get the opportunity to even film something, you know, on a major streaming service, let alone Hulu. Um, so I think just me not being resentful of people and being nice to people. And getting, you know, building a good network of people, I think that was such a crucial part of comedy that sometimes people forget. Like, they're like, I just want to be like myself and I'm kind of like a jerk and that's my thing and that's my stage thing. And then, like, nobody wants to book them, you know? And you wonder why. Like, well, I don't think they want you to, like, cuss them out before the show. Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where, like, somebody was saying earlier, I believe Brian, like in LA, there's kind of like this air or this attitude of, you know, I'm an LA comedian and I'm like, guess what? There's 10,000 of us. and <laughs> it, It's not going to be you. It's going to be the person who's more professional and friendly and who's easy to to work with. So, um, so I've just always taken that approach. And I, I feel like just being humble and having that humility um, people, they don't, see you as like a threat or against you or in competition, they actually want to help lift you up. So that's been like a really positive experience for me. Cause I have a great comedian family out here.
3: Wow. You, you just said so much there. Uh, and that's, that's incredible. I mean, you, you touched on a lot of things um, and, and this kind of came up in the first half too. You were talking a little bit about, uh, about this opportunity and then, and then you kind of threw in as a little bit of a side note, oh, see how, uh, how big my head is. And, and you know, I just want to uh, encourage you that what comes through as you're talking about these opportunities is how much you care about the people around you and how, how much gratitude you, you have about it. You know, it's great that good things are happening for you. And it's phenomenal that you're proud of those things, you you should be, and and I, I commend you for being able to be proud uh, about what's happening.
2: Thank you, yeah, thank you so much. That's, I mean, it, it's kind of like an Asian shame thing that I had to get over. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't talk about the a that you got on that calculus test because then all the other kids are going to want to be your friend, like you know the it was like very competitive. Maybe you don't know, but like in the Asian family, it's like they, uh, they favor people and they look at people who strive to compete with others as like the strong um, individual, the one who's going to get ahead. And, and then you kind of lose sight of community and me being like, like a person who greatly needs approval a lot of the time. And, you know, wants love in my life, like, I feel like I, I just could never do that. I'm like, no, but you know, do, do you have to do the Olympics? Like can, can't everyone win? Like, <laughs> <me.">
3: <laughs> Well, well, I mean, again, that, that comes through loud and clear as you're talking about opportunities, as you're talking about your circle of friendship, I think you called them your, your comedy family. That's mm-hmm. an incredibly endearing uh, term. And, and I do have to say, you know, the, uh, what'd you call it? Asian guilt or no, excuse me, Asian shame. Uh, you, you don't have a corner on the market of shame, you know, coming from a recovery background myself, that shame cycle. Um, it's, it's all too common and all too prevalent. And, uh, again, I just congratulate you for pushing past that, pushing through that and being able to, um, accept the good things that are happening while at the same time, uh, not uh, getting opportunities at the expense of those around you.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, um, and you talked a little bit about your upbringing and how you were, uh, what'd you say, quadruple uh, set to the side Whether you were female, you were the youngest, you were, you were that. Do you think that played into uh, some of that shame?
2: Yeah. Uh, the shame was a lot about being, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's ageism or what the technical term is, but in a lot of Asian cultures, or at least in my family, um, if if anyone was like an elder, they knew everything about everything. So I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, how come dad never uses an iPhone You know, and it would be like, well, you're challenging the elders. And I'm like, what? He doesn't know how to send an email. I'm genuinely concerned.
0: Like, you
2: know, just if you don't know how to use technology, you're going to fall back. And so it turned into that sort of like, okay, well, he's been living way longer than you. And plus, he's a male and he doesn't have, you know, the same emotional problems that you have every month. And all like, it was just all this weird like indoctrination of you should just be ashamed of who you are because of the way you were made and the way you came into this world like you're just you're just kind of like a burden and I I have a joke about that too like when I go into my dark comedy side and people will ask me you know like what what does Nishi mean like what kind of name is that and I'm like well it's a Pakistani name for baby girls in Pakistan it means burden and and then it's and then they kind of they and then I talk about how it's like it is a burden it actually is for them because now they're like there's no expectations of women to make money or to be successful they have to find a guy to marry who's going to do all those things for them so um just with that uh mentality constantly weighing over you as a child and as a teenager Um, I was afraid to do a lot of the things that I'm doing today. Like I wanted to, I wanted to like be in musicals and I wanted, I wanted to sing with the little kids and um, you know, and then we would like listen to the radio and copy the Janet Jackson songs and, and then get in trouble for that because it's like, Oh, is this going to make you money or is math going to make you money? So it, it was just no matter what you try to do out of your own free agency, the family unit would come down hard and say, well the chances of this happening to you or you being successful at any kind of art is pretty low you should probably become an engineer and I I just I was appalled I was like do you guys not know that I failed math you want me <laughs> to be an engineer <laughs> like what
3: thank you so much for sharing that um you know I, I mean that sounds like that had to be very difficult to to come through and uh Process through and and again to to share that not just here on this podcast but uh, really sharing some of those experiences and some of that pain through your comedy, huh? Is that what you uh, talk about with the dark comedy?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's just it's there's so much truth in it that the only way I can overcome it is by making fun of it, you know, because it kind of is a weird concept in my head. Like now that I have my daughter. There's no way I could ever imagine, like, putting any of these rules on her to, like, craft her into something. Like, I know for sure I don't want her to become a comedian because I'm going to treat her right. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: Give her no pain to respond to with comedy.
3: Right. <laughs> oh, you know, no, that's just well, not Don't, fair. don't worry. I, I've got three kids and we were pretty, uh, pretty good to all of them. And, and uh, they're all screwed up a little bit in their own way. So <laughs> <and> <laughs> there will be plenty of opportunities to be traumatized, even if you try to do everything right.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. As long as it's not me telling them
3: <laughs> that, <laughs> Hey,
2: you can't do this because you're a girl. Like I, I heard that so many times, like, from everyone. And, and then it was in high school, it was different because then they, they're they like, you can't do this because you're a foreigner or you can't do this because you're supposed to be good at math and you're not even good at the thing you're supposed to be good at. So I was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Like I at one point wanted to enlist in the military and just be gone. And I'm like, I know I'm good at something. I'm good at running away from things. So I joined track wow. and, in hopes that I could have like some kind of athletic record to join the military. And then I get to the military and I almost drown in three feet of water. And they're like, sorry, we can't, we'll call you if we're losing a war. Mm. Oh. And, you know, just...
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's so much negative messaging to overcome. And I know Brian said it earlier, um, but I am very proud of you for being able to, be open and honest about some of that negative messaging that you've received uh, growing up and and even coming to this country as an immigrant and uh, and being able to push through that. Um, I know it can't have been easy, and I'm, I'm sure there's a whole lot there that you're still processing through, but I am very, very proud of you. And even though I haven't even ever met you face to face, I just am really excited to be able to say that now I know you a little bit and, uh, and see who you are.
2: Thank you so much. I've always wanted supportive white parents.
1: So. <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> well, uh, I both- I'll weigh in a little bit and say, uh, your upbringing and mine with, uh, parents I grew up with wanting to me to be an engineer, uh, mm-hmm. same. <laughs> so oh. yeah. And it, that did not work out well for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Did
2: you just, what, did you just say no and then it ended for you there or did they push you? Uh,
1: uh, I, um, decided I was going to go to school, uh, for music and acting instead. And they stole all my money so I couldn't go to school. <gasps> so oh, <no. laughs> it's hilarious now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no it's, are, are it's, we playing
3: trauma bingo now <laughs> we are not uh, but that's
1: on the list no but just it's it's that um you know parents do all kinds of dumb stuff that they think is the right thing and um uh so yeah so aaron uh you know saying that uh you try and do the right thing and they're still going to get screwed up but but don't uh keep them from going to college if they really want to go to college It just because uh they don't want to study what you want them to study. That's my only parental advice. Uh, I didn't learn a whole lot growing up, but I learned that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about, I feel like it's just, it comes down to free will. If you try to control somebody's will, it's not going to be a good result because they are not allowed to operate in whatever gifting they have. And it's just kind of like you trying to out or trying to live out your dreams in in a in in somebody who really doesn't know how to do it you know like my parents i understand their background i understand that they came from a struggle and they they want me to have like a technical career at some point of in my life because that's what pays the most money and it comes back from roots of poverty mindset of oh how are you going to take care of yourself if you can't define to me how much money you're going to make this job pays a hundred thousand dollars of a year. So take it because it'll set you up for your future. So they come from more of lack. And I know they weren't trying to be a certain way. So I don't really hold any of that against them, but, um, but it's just, uh, to me, it's just, you only give what you have, you know, and that's all they had. They, all they had was how do we get our kids to survive? And both of my brothers, they're eight and 11 years older than me They're So it was like having four sets of parents, but these mm-hmm. guys are killing it in business. They're so good at everything they do. They're technically gifted. My, my um, one of my brothers has a scholarship foundation for kids that can't afford school. He like hires people off the street that are homeless and gives them jobs. Like he's just kicking butt on every corner. Um, and my other brother is just, he's equally as gifted. He's like a director of IT somewhere. And um, and then they look at me and they're like, we thought you were going to be the most successful because we didn't even know English when we came here and you learned it from. So it was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of like a backhanded compliment. And I just, I'm like, all I have is patience. All I can do is patiently do my work because I know those types of things are distracting. Like even with you know, like alcoholism, like you were saying, struggling with that. I've, I've known people that have gone through that and it's like a lengthy process. It's like, I'm, I was sort of, um, like I had a lot of verbal abuse in my past with my parents and, a uh, you know, friends and things like that, that just went the wrong way. And because of that, I had all these things pulling at me like, no, you can't do this. Like you need to go do something else to, um, to prove yourself to people. And it always kept me at bay of what I really wanted. So just deciding and moving forward and really putting in things into perspective, like I just imagine the future. And if I imagine the future right now, and it's, and it's the trajectory that I'm taking and it's positive, then I know I'm doing the right thing. But if I have an instinct where I'm like, where is this taking me? Is this in alignment with who I am and what I want to do? And and I end up somewhere else, then I'm like, no. And for me to hold on to anything of the past or blame people or whatever, that's just not me because I just feel like they were there to do their purpose and they did the best they could. And I'm I turned out better than I expected. So... Oh.
3: Well, that's 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 good, and of course, what cued this all off was what's going well and what's going good for you, and and yeah, I think hands down, uh, things are going well for you, and and it's so great to hear the empathy in your voice when you talk about uh, some of those wounds, some of those scars, some of the things that you've experienced, Um, and then yet you're still able to uh, look at the other people involved and and have empathy towards their position, their situation, and and know that, uh, you know, they may have just been doing the best that they can. We are getting into it here, and uh, now it's time to talk a little bit about uh, uh, something that you might be struggling with. Thank
2: Oh, man. Besides that donut craving. um,
3: (laughs) Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm about to start a diet and uh, you describing that donut uh, may have uh, hindered that process.
1: (laughs) Yeah, diet Thursday instead of Wednesday. Got it. (laughs) There you go.
3: (laughs)
0: Always
2: tomorrow. You always start diets tomorrow. That's the rule. (gasps) (laughs) But um, what's not going well? So. I just had a baby, and congratulations
3: thank you yeah. very
2: much and it's I could say it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me and i I just love it i I love being a mother. I love everything about my baby, and I'm excited to have more. but it's just it is so difficult right now to have any sort of time management like it's been. It's been so hard for me in this last two years, like with the pandemic. And then we went into lockdown. I had no community when I was pregnant, first time pregnant, you know, mom. And then on top of that, like I was away from the family, my husband's away from his family. Um, And like the hospital birthing experience was horrific Uh, like all of that stuff was, it was such a painful time. And, um, and the results of that, I was kind of like traumatized by what had happened because I ended up getting like an emergency C-section and, and it took me months to recover. And, you know, I had to like hold a pillow on my stomach to laugh. You know, it was just one of those things where I was, I'm used to laughing in the middle of my sleep and I'm I'm kind of a cycle like that. But I, I had to really shift my perspective like, oh, my gosh, this was a very traumatic, hard time for me. And so I started writing more and more and um, we ended up in a really bad like, financial situation and uh, we had to move in with my parents. And it was just, you know, it was really hard for my husband because he works really hard and he's always supported my dream, always believed in me. He's doing something that he necessarily does not want to do. Um, but he's pushing through it. So just like, I think the, what's really not going well is like, I, I try to do my best at everything, like booking shows and, you know, the career thing is great and stuff, but I've had to neglect a lot of family time. You know, I had to kind of like, I haven't really talked to my parents, um, we haven't had a great relationship. I haven't talked to his side of the family. Cause I, I just don't have time. I'm like, I have to take care of this baby. I have to make sure her future is set. So I've been extremely goal-driven and, um, and I don't know, like I, uh, like I know at this point in time, the most important thing for me to do is to establish my career. But at the expense of that, it's, there's been a lot of like tragedy and, you know, stuff happening this year and even last year that, um, I was like, I got to block it out and I got to focus on what's in front of me. Um, so I like, I don't know how to manage those things. Cause you know, as, as a comedian, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but at least for me, I, whenever I go on stage, I expose my entire heart, you know, like I tell everyone exactly what's going on and it comes from real emotions. And, um, And that is really hard to carry around all the time because I, those emotions that I'm experiencing on stage are real and to replicate that over and over. And then, and then I would just get drained. And I'd be like, I don't have time to like talk to my husband. Like I know he's had a long day, so I'm really trying to learn how to balance all of this, but it's just been hard. Like having a baby taking care of her 24 seven and then taking care of my second baby comedy, you know, and I'll be up all hours of the night while the baby's sleeping. And then I, and then she's up, and then it's now I got to take care of the baby. So it's like my whole schedule and everything. I don't think it's been the healthiest thing, but um, it's what I have to do for now to just survive.
3: Wow. Well, <laughs> by listening to you, Uh, discuss through and talk through some of the things that are going on for you right now. The, the stressful life changes that you're experiencing are incredible. Any one of those things, uh, being pregnant, having your first child, uh, restoring a relationship with, uh, with parents, uh, going through a pandemic, uh, Getting to the point in a comedy career where you can uh, where you're you've got a special and things are happening any of those things, let alone some of the others that you mentioned, any of those things are absolutely dominating and exhausting things. And I just have to encourage you to cut yourself a little slack. Don't be hard on yourself. If you look at any one of those things and say, I could be doing this 10% better. You're doing great. You are great. And, you know, I I hope that when you look in the mirror and you see yourself, you see somebody who is exceptional and doing wonderful things, because that's exactly who you are.
2: Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Yeah. Isn't that it is fun to so sit
1: on a podcast with us? Because you get all these compliments.
3: Yes. Well, and I have to tell you, it's a little bit self-serving because uh, this is uh, this is honestly where, what I feel led to, uh, how I feel led to give back uh, to people, how I feel led to contribute value. You know, when I look at people, uh, yourself included, I see great things, and I know that. People don't always hear great things about themselves, and especially people don't always hear great things about themselves coming from their own head. Um, I've I've been a victim of my own negative mental thoughts, and and it's a little this is a little bit self serving because uh, this is what I feel like I'm built to do is to just tell you how great you are.
2: Wow, that's amazing! Yeah. I need to fire my therapist. Yeah, that's a nice gig. That
1: is a nice gig, Aaron.
2: <laughs> no, that's really refreshing to hear because honestly, like in even with like the great community and everything, there's there's always so much criticism. Like so like I I won't name any names or anything like that, but um but uh, sometimes you'll get messages like, Hey, how did you get on that? Special. You know, Mm -hmm. how, why wasn't it this person? And it'll be friends, it'll be strangers. Like, wait, did she really deserve that? And did, and it's like, you don't even know the process or anything. You're just judging at the results and then everybody starts viewing you as like, Oh, well, yeah, she had to have known somebody to, you know, get into whatever. And I, and I got a message like that recently. And it was just, it was like, Hey, I thought you were going to cast me on your show and it didn't happen. But then I saw you posted this thing and it was like this huge misunderstanding. It was like, okay, you do understand that I have bosses to answer to. Like I'm not, Mm -hmm. The production or the director or anything of the, they just asked me to gather a bunch of comedians and then they pick from those comedians and then it's out of my hands. And I try to lift my friends as much as possible. And, uh, and I just got like a bunch of sarcastic remarks, like, well, you know, you got to help yourself first. And I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, just, just like weird negative vibes that kind of made me think like, oh my gosh, like, did I, was I, mean to someone? Did I do something wrong? And, and I think that's where, you know, the self criticism comes in, but, but you're right. It's, uh, you know, you have to kind of stay on the positive side of when I look in the mirror, like I can't judge myself for those things because I have no control of what other people are going to think, regardless of what I do.
1: Nishi, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us tonight. Uh, my goodness, what an incredible, um, career you've already had, what, um, a pleasure it has been to talk to you. And so now I just get to do my favorite part where, um, I make you talk about yourself a little bit more. And that is if somebody wanted to find you, hire you, go see one of your shows, um, or, uh, tune in later when your Hulu special comes out and the, um, uh, Asian in the comedy invasion Hulu special, um, how would they, uh, best find uh, Nishi XL?
2: Well, you can go to my website.
1: Is this a brand new website by some uh, strange chance?
2: Yes. I, in fact, did IT work. So if you run into my parents, you can tell them that I (laughs) made a website. (laughs) And if they're a little bit too impressed by it, just say you were kidding because I don't (laughs) want to get into it with them. But yes, it's... uh...
1: Next time I see your parents, I'll uh, I'll let them know. All
2: right. Yeah, you let them know, okay? Because yeah. they're, they're not going to believe me. They're going to, uh, who did you know? Yeah. It was me. It was me. I spent, it was, I was really proud of myself. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then it went up. And then, so on my website, NishiExcel.com, you can find everything from, uh compliments that people have given me that oh, I've recorded. My, <laughs> I I'll put testimonials up on there, which, um, you'll see the publications and like corporate gigs that I've worked for. I've performed for military families. I've performed for, you know, children, like all kinds of various different audiences. And, um, and I have a couple of clips that I'll be uploading there. So I'll have new clips all the time, um, and, and
1: what is that website address, just in case somebody wanted to, to go find it?
2: It's www.hgxl.com.
1: <laughs> so N-I-S-H-Y-X-L dot com. Yes. I think I was in the room or nearby when I heard you telling somebody about that branding or somebody told you to brand that way or something. And I was sort of like, well, yeah, of course, <laughs> duh. Yeah. Yeah
2: you were there it happened a couple months ago and it was um it was a result of people not being able to pronounce or spell my very white last name
0: yeah. So, I yeah, was
2: disappointed. I was like, really? I told my husband, I was like, why did your grandfather have to make up a name? Couldn't he be like a Smith or a Johnson so I could uh-huh. have it easy? Because I just came from a hard name, bro. Like, what?
1: <laughs> and and so, your, your last name was Axel, A C S E L L.
2: Yes. Axel and, yeah. was too hard for people because the yeah. C S thing.
1: Yeah. So you had to abbreviate.
2: X L. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. And has anybody gone down the Nishi Extra Large yet? Anything like that? Oh, Maybe yeah. It's, it's I, I'm i
2: wearing full-on maternity clothes. Oh, I'm perfect. not pregnant, so it's...
1: Yeah. Oh, so that's fine. Okay. And then uh, you're also uh, on the socials. What's, what's your preferred social uh, out there?
2: So I... Go on Instagram a lot. Um, I usually respond to bookings and messages from there. I also have a number on my website that you can text to directly get a hold of me. Um, but for you know, DMs and for show bookings, I usually go to my Instagram. It's at Nishi XL, N I S H Y X L.
1: Perfect. Nishi, thank you so
3: much for being on the show with me and Aaron. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation.
2: this was so great thank you for doing this and spreading positivity and I love this this is so I'm so excited about this I'm going to tell everyone about you guys
3: thanks for listening to the Clean Comedy Time podcast
1: we bring comedians together performing their clean material at showcases fundraisers and
3: other events our shows are free from coarse language and topics they work for anyone anywhere
1: check out cleancomedytime.com to find an upcoming show or to bring Clean Comedy Time to you